On this episode of Redboard Rewind, we talk when to take a short price favorite, how to spot an improving three-year-old, and a breeding angle worth paying attention to. This is Redboard Rewind. And now I'd like to introduce my special guest this time, Nikki Samolovich. Nikki, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm very good. So just a couple beginner questions to have people get to know you. How did you get into racing? Well, my parents owned Standard Breads, and I was born in Pittsburgh. So we went to the Meadows, and I was basically born and raised at the barn. So I've always followed horse racing, and used to color on the program and knew how to read a program basically before I got my permit to drive. So I've always been involved in racing. What made you switch over to thoroughbreds from standard breads? Well, actually um, it was my communion. And whenever I was eight, we drew numbers out of a hat and I picked the eight horse during the Kentucky Derby and it was winning colors. And of course, winning colors won, and I won a hundred dollars. So ever since then, I was up. <laughs> so you, I've always followed it. Do you ever handicap standard breads still, or is it mostly just thoroughbreds for you? Um, I watch it. I, I like watching whenever because I'm into showing racing. So it's usually at that time there's a lot of harness racing on at night. So so I watch it, and if I'm bored, I'll, I'll bet. But I don't follow it as much as I do with thoroughbreds. I know that it seems like you travel a lot around the country. What's been your favorite moment as a fan so far at races oh, you've been to we, live? Winks, not even Winx. a question. Being able, yeah, no question. Being able to see Winks in person for me has been a, a, a huge highlight. I know you went over recently and saw Enable run as well. How was that trip? I did. Well, I've always wanted to go to Paris, so being able to check Paris off my bucket list was huge. But, um, yeah, and, I mean, it was great. I saw Enable in the Breeders' Cup whenever she was at Churchill. But mm-hmm. being able to see her in her home country was, was amazing. And, unfortunately, she didn't win. But just to be part of it and just to have, like, the whole gasp of the crowd whenever Walter Guys passed her was just, it was incredible to be part of. But, I mean, just the whole experience, it was just, I mean, it's horse racing. It's so unpredictable. So it was just, you know, it's being able to go to see Winks and see her win, but, you know, it would have been great to see Enable win, but it's just part of the game. So just to even to see her lose was just as, just as great. Was there any big difference between going to a Breeders' Cup or going overseas to one of those big days in England or Paris? Well, in Australia, the, the fans are completely different. Like, they are so into it, so involved. Like, the whole city, from the time you land... Every bar, restaurant you go into, everyone talks about wings. But in Paris, it's like, oh, I'm here to see a horse race. They're like, oh, there's a horse race this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's very funny. The whole city was just like, you had no idea. And even whenever I got, like, I was all dressed up to go to the race, they're like, are you going to a wedding? I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so it was just, yeah, in Paris, they were just, I mean, the fans were great. And it was a great family atmosphere. So, 
you know, at the Rivers Cup, you don't see that many kids running around. But in, um, for our day, there was a ton of kids running everywhere. So it was very family-oriented. So to that part, I really like that. You know, it was a very, it seemed like a very family oriented day to come out to the races. Whereas the Breeders' Cup, like, I, you don't really see kids running around. <laughs> the only place I see people running around kid wise would be Saratoga every day, but that's more because that is more of a family type atmosphere right. compared to like Aqueduct or yeah. Belmont. What do you right. say we get into, uh, into these races? We'll start off with the uh, Delmar race. So this was race eight, the 100K Desi Arnez, six and a half on the main for two year olds. What were some of your opinions going into this race? Well, I definitely thought Lucatia was the one to beat. I mean, she was just such a fast horse. And I thought if, you know, if she shows her speed, she's just going to run them off. And, you know, I was kind of interested to see how Stellar Sound, the Baffert horse, was going to do. Um, she, on her last run out, she had like a, a pretty bumpy start and she ended up pulling it out and winning. So, I was really interested to see how she was going to do. And then um, the Doug O'Neill horse um, roadrunner, I thought that she was going to be a good pace hitter in this race. Um, but I, I, I honestly thought that Lucasia was just too good for all of them and was just, she's, she's super fast. And if they let her go off and into the lead, that she was just going to run them off. For me, it was super interesting with Lucasia. I thought a horse like this, usually when you see, two big numbers and two, you know, very regressful numbers. You kind of don't know what, how the horse is going to show up. And at four to five, I was a little bit nervous on taking such a short price. I thought that with Biddy Duke on the rail, also showing speed, spitefulness. Now she's got two speed horses on her inside. I kind of ended up on stellar sound just because I thought that that, uh, she would get the best trip. I thought that she showed she can handle fast paces on in her debut winning at Del Mar in that maiden special weight and the debutante against Bast. I think everyone thought that Bast was like the second coming of Songbird after that race. Right. So it didn't really, I didn't hold that against her. What were your thoughts on how the board ended up? Lucathia going down to two to five. Did you think that she was still a good price at two to five? Did you tr- would try and mix it up in exotics? What'd you do with her? Um, I just, I just better to win, but um, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I just, didn't see, I mean, it wasn't definitely not a good betting race, and I've been definitely following the uh, two-year-old fillies, so I was I was more interested in how the race would play out and how the horses would run. And after she threw her jockey in the chandelier, I was kind of like, okay, is she going to figure it out this race, or how is she going to do? So uh, it definitely wasn't a good betting race because of the short field and you know the the class of the fillies in this race. So I was just I was just betting her to win and kind of just watching the race just to see how it would play out and how the horses would run. What was your impression when Mike Smith ended back up on the five or Quidius biz? I thought that was kind of an interesting spot for Mike to go back, even though he had the horse two back when the horse ran second. I always have upgraded Mike Smith recently, not when he jumps on so much for Baffert, but when he runs, he jumps up for a different trainer. I feel like people just sometimes miss that. I agree with you on that too. I just, thought that uh Theo, I just didn't think anyone was going to catch her in this race. Let's see if Nikki was right about Lucathia. And away they go to a good beginning. Lucathia is fast as Cinder Stride, but here comes Biddy Duke at the rail to join. Spitefulness, a close-up third. Roadrunner's Honor is in the white colors. Stella Sound is on the far side. Orchidia's Bears last, eight lengths off the leader. 
They run past the half mile and Biddy Duke has the lead. Lukothia is tracking from second and Spitefulness in third. Orchidia is now getting a little closer on the far side. And then we come back to Orchidia's Biz. Roadrunner's Honor is in the white colours. They run past E3 8th pole and Biddy Duke at the rail a length and a half. Lukothia tracks from second. Orchidia's Biz now up to third and coming after them. In behind those two now we have Spitefulness down at the rail and then Roadrunner's Honor. They come to the top of the lane and Lukothia the leader. Stella Sound now come to take them on. Lukothia, Stella Sound. Orchidia's Biz in the red colours chases from third. Homeward bound and Lukothia finds more is going comfortably on the lead. Jockey just took a confident look back and Lukothia is just breezing through the lane here. They would need to sprout wings to get to Lukothia. Another one for Abel Sadia. Lukothia trots home. Second will be Orchidia's Biz. Then came Stella Sound and Roadrunner's Honor. And Nikki has a nice winner there, Lukothia winning with a she her buyer dropped a little bit down to a 75 or Quidius biz improved her buyer up to a 66 from a 58 and stellar sound improved from a 58 to a 66 as well so now with the race being run nikki did you pretty much is that pretty much how you saw it going in uh well i, I was actually surprised at how she rated because i thought that she was just gonna go and i thought that they were just going to send her so I was really impressed by how she filled, that she can kind of drop back a little bit, let Biddy do go do her thing, and then, you know, then wait for the right moment and then send her. So I was actually, I was very impressed by how she was able to rate and kind of drop back a little bit. So I saw a huge improvement in her in this race, and, and I'm very excited to see, you know, when her next race that she's pointed to. I was excited when they left the gate and I saw the one, the two kind of go out. Cause now I know she has to kind of show a different way. As we said of rating the way she just came off the turn when horses run these big buyers and then they can still bounce and win races. Maybe she just was the best overall stellar sound did come back to actually run her, her new high buyer top of a 66. I thought she ran the right race. I thought Mike Smith gave the five a great ride to get up for second at a long price. Now, when you're using two to five shots, when you're just betting to win, are you just looking to like make them a single in multis, or what? What do you think is the best way to extract the most value from these types of horses? Well, for me, I usually use them in the multis, like the the pick, like the pick four. Um, that for me is the best value of if you know that a horse is definitely, you know, you're, you're very confident in the horse. I mean, like I said, I don't think the the race was a very good betting race, but in, you know, in regards to the pick four, pick five or pick six, that, that definitely is a, is a single. Would you ever try and hook her up with a horse in a vertical, like exact or a try just trying to hit a straight cold number? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, if, like you said, with Archidio's biz with Mike Smith for that angle, um, that would be a definite straight exact um, with stellar sound coming in third, wasn't, wasn't much value. Um, and you know, anytime you get a backward horse in California, there's never really that much value in there. So yeah, for sure. A definite hold exacto with the Mike Smith angle. Um, yeah. And with that, let's move on to race 10 at Churchill Downs. This was the grade three Commonwealth turf for three-year-olds going a mile and 16th on the turf. 
now when you look at this race, five to one was the morning line favorite. So a horse over ten dollars is going to uh, pay to win. What were your assessment of when you're looking at these runners? Well, I, I was just, well, any any race that has fourteen runners and has it was a very difficult handicapping race. Um, and the top four out of the Jefferson Cup was entered in to the Commonwealth. So I, I was really looking forward to, to this race and I I thought it was wide open and you know, you should definitely get um it was a good betting race. Do you ever use trip handicapping as a way, as you said, four horses coming out of the Jefferson Cup? Did you rewatch that race and try to figure out if you can kind of get an edge on one of those four? I did. I did. And that's how I, I picked Tracksmith um, as one of my top ones, just because he came out of the Jefferson Cup second. And, you know, I really I really was impressed with his run at the Jefferson Cup. So I thought that um, he, would, he would improve coming out of that race. Armistice Day... Corey Lannery riding Barbara Minshall as a trainer had one of the highest buyers in 91 coming into this race, but had done it in Woodbine on the uh, synthetic thoughts on horses going from synthetic to turf. Are you a positive for that or a negative? Um, for me, it's, it's a negative. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen, I mean, there have been horses that went from synthetic to turf, but for me, I'm not, I'm not totally sold on it. Mr. Dumas, Joe Rocco, senior junior for John Ortiz, slow improving three-year-old. Usually throughout the year, we see these three-year-olds, you know, if they're slowly improving, maybe they weren't the best bets at the beginning of the year, but it seemed like after that three and a three and a quarter allowance, when this one was firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yep. He, he definitely was. And whenever I saw him coming down, I was like, Oh no, how did I miss him? <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was a it was definitely an impressive win, and I'm sure it caught a lot of people by surprise. And he um, he made his impact. One horse that definitely caught my eye was Fairway Kitten Julian Leperu from Michael Maker. Seemed like one of the only horses that had actually won a, a graded stake. He won the Double Dare on the turf at Arlington earlier in the year. For me, when I'm looking through graded stake races, I try and find horses that have won graded stakes. What's your kind of idea when you look at the class levels are you trying to find a slowly improving allowance horse or do you want to see a horse that's got that graded state capability so far well i like to look at the ones that have showed up you know every race day that have either come in you know hit the board or you know improving so i like to find the ones that have showed up on stakes day that have showed that hey i'm here i can show up i can you know i can close when i can so i like the ones that that have hit the board consistently um, race after race that have showed, you know, that, that they're in it for the fight that they show up every, every race day. So for me, like, I like looking at, you know, ones that have hit the board, maybe not have won on stakes day, but the ones that have showed that, Hey, they have what it takes to show up. I want to talk about two more horses. One being Nick's go. This horse was after the Breeders' cup last year, almost one of the favorites to run for the roses. What are they doing with this horse? It seemed like he's just falling off form, and now they're trying the turf. And to me, what doesn't seem like the best pedigree. I agree with you. I just thought that, you know, they were just throwing mud on the wall and hoping it sticks. So, I mean, I, I commend the trainers and the owners for trying to figure out, you know, where the best place to put this horse. Um, I definitely don't think the turf was for him, or maybe it could be. 
that it just he doesn't like soft turf. So maybe they'll try, you know, something different. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think that uh, trying run turf was a good thing. The horse I ended up on was Tiz Plus, Ricardo Santana, one of my favorites with Steve Asmussen. Ran a really nice 90 buyer last time out at Remington Park. This horse is mostly been at Remington for Asmussen. And he decided to bring this horse up to the big leagues. I like horses that are five for nine on the turf, two for two at the distance. The only thing that I was really worried about was the ship. What were your thoughts on Tiz Plus? Well, I, I actually like the fact that they bought him as a $1,700 um, mm-hmm. two-year-old. And I was like, this is, you know, anytime like you see that, it's just awesome. And you want to root for a horse like that. You're like, yeah, I want this horse. And yeah, Steve Asmussen at Remington Park, um, he he definitely caught my eye in his race up there. Um, yeah, I thought that uh, he could have definitely, he's, he posted good speed numbers. At, like I think it was like a 92 and a 93. So I definitely, he won five of his last six starts. So I definitely thought that he, uh, he was going to make some noise and, and definitely be there. Where did you end up from a wagering perspective? I actually, well, I did pick track Smith um, just mm-hmm. because I liked his second in the Jefferson. Um, he's won twice on non-firm turf. And any son of Street Sense and Street Cry, I'm a Street Cry fan. <laughs> so I like that. Um, he's run first or second in his five of his seven starts. So I like that. And I, and the speed in the race with Pirates Punch and Nick's Go, I figured that he would get the desired trip that he was going to take. Um, I also like Louder Than Bombs. I was interested to see how he would do after having the summer off. And I like that. In his last race, he beat um, the heavily favored Emrati, um, an older horse. So I, I wanted louder than bombs and Tracksmith. Tracksmith was my definite, okay, this horse is going to show up, but I also wanted to throw in louder than bombs because you know, he, was, he was a long shot, and I thought he would uh, improve after his playoff. Did you uh, play them in an exacta box, or did you play them both in multis? No, I just did an exacta in this race. I did the tracksmith uh, louder than bombs exacta. All right. For me, I decided to play a across the board bet on Tiz Plus, just two across the board. Cost me $6. Let's see if either of us were smart enough to pick the winner here at Churchill Downs. They're in the gate. And they're off. Marquee Prince, spectacular gem. Nicks go flashing speed. Louder than bombs on the far outside. Mr. Dumas backs off just a bit as they come by us for the first time. Spectacular gem goes head-to-head with Nicks go. And they're joined by Louder than bombs, who pulls back just a bit now to be third into the clubhouse turn. Marquee Prince is inside racing in fourth. Mr. Dumas comes away fifth. Then it's Tiz Plus on inside, moving from six. Armistice Day is seventh. Tracksmith is eighth. Proliferate is running along in ninth. Tobacco Road is 10th while down inside. And at the back is Faraway Kitten. 10 lengths from top to bottom. The opening quarter in 23 and 3. To the back stretch they go. And Spectacular Gem shows the way with company, though. Louder than bombs. Wide throughout so far is poking up to be second. Nicks go backs off of those two to settle in third for the run to the half mile pole. Marquee Prince has been moved outside. Racing fourth. Tiz plus fifth. Mr. Doom is sixth. Tracksmith running along inside seventh. Armistice Day is eighth. Tobacco Road. Proliferate. And at the back is Farway getting the round of the far turn. Louder than bombs and Spectacular. 
spectacular gem. Step on it together. Five length lead round the far turn. Louder than bombs. Assumes controls that come to the quarter pull. Mr. Dumas is winding up from third. Nix goes back into fourth. Marquis Prince is fifth. Tracksmith cuts the corner. Off the turn. Racing six. Top of the lane now. Mr. Dumas to the attack. Louder than bombs in deep water. Spectacular gem boxing on. Tracksmith is also there. Marquis Prince. Far away kitten has been angled to the crown of the course. And it's coming fast in the final furlong. Mr. Dumas in front. Final try from Tracksmith. Far away kitten. Marquis Prince is there. So too Armistice Day. But they're coming for the wire. And Mr. Dumas wins it. Mr. Dumas outruns Tracksmith to the wire. Marquis Prince was third. Armistice Day spectacular gemmer far away kitten. Mr. Dumas gets it done in an exciting fashion with an 89 buyer paying 20 plus dollars. Tracksmith improved his buyer a little bit from an 86 to an 88. Marquis Prince 82 to an 86. The interesting thing on the board here, Nikki, was that we saw a horse five to one as the morning line favorite. He ended up dropping down to seven to two, and the second choice, Fairway Kitten, was nine to two. It just seemed like no one really knew what to pick in this race. Yeah, I agree, and I was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was as well. Tis plus finishing dead last. Don't really know why he didn't seem like he had too much problems to me with Tracksmith's trip. It just seemed like. Got into a little bit of trouble on one of the turns, and Mr. Dumas had more of like clear run. Right. I agree with you. When you see a higher price $20 horse win, do you ever try and go back into the PPs to figure out exactly either what you missed or what you could have, you know, done differently after you've done betting a race? Oh, I do for sure because I, I want to see what I missed. Uh, you know, I, I, I looked over the horse and, you know, for first glance, I, di- I didn't have it. And then whenever I saw him, and I, that's, as soon as he won, I was like, how did I miss this? Anytime I, I see a horse like this win or any horse like this win at such a price, I always go back, see what I missed. Or, you know, maybe it isn't something that you missed in the past performances. Maybe it's just luck or maybe it's just the, the turf or, you know, how the, the track was playing that day. But, um, yeah, anytime you see something like this, you, you want to learn from it. And you want to see if there's something that you would have, you know, gone back and maybe you would have done differently. Was there any specific horse or horses out of this race that you would put on a bet back list that you're interested to see going forward? Tracksmith for sure. Um, I, I just hope he doesn't have seconditis, but I think that um, moving forward, he's definitely going to progress. As like I said, he show he showed that he's he can show up. He maybe like I said, he just had a a bad turn um, going into that, but uh, Tracksmith for sure. Um, and, and I've always loved Louder Than Bomb, so I'm hoping that, you know, next year he'll start progressing and maybe it was just the long layoff that he was just shaking out some of the rust. The one for me will be Fairway Kitten. Hopped at the start. He seemed like he got bothered upper stretch. Julian Leperu is probably one of the best uh, turf riders in the country, for me at least. He was one of my favorite jockeys growing up. I would definitely want to see him get back on this horse, and if they can get a clean start, I think that this horse will be able to do some damage in the grade three's listed stake area. Anything else from you, Nick, here, or do you want to move on to our last race? No, I'm good to move on. Our last race today is from Aqueduct, it is race number eight on Saturday, 
one mile on the turf course, the Artie Schiller, 150K for three-year-olds and upwards. Nikki, where'd you go here? I actually did an exacta. This is, I'm really excited about this race. <laughs> it was my favorite race of the day. Um, I had an exacta with Crowland's Honor, Caribou Club, and Frontier Market. Okay. What were some thoughts for you with Curlin's Honor? 10 to 1, bit of a longer shot on the board. I liked him because he's showed up in the last six of his starts. Um, and with Joel Rosario taking the, the call, I, I really like that. So saw, as soon as I saw Joel Rosario go on, kind of like you said with the Mike Smith effect, I was like, oh, why is he taking this horse? So that's what originally drew my attention to it was that you know, any turf race in New York, Joel Rosario taking the call, and especially on a long shot, you have to take a look for, you know, for me, that's what I thought. I had two notes for this horse, one positive, one negative. I just wrote Joel Rosario up. And then I just, I wanted to see this horse prove it to me that he could run here and not just be more of a woodbine specialist, if that makes right. sense. Certain horses just tend to just run really well. Voodoo song, Saratoga from a couple of years ago. The price at 10 to 1 was probably worth it. I mean, when you look at the morning line favorites, Caribou Club was the favorite at 5 to 2. Uh, Frontier Market for Chad Brown was 3 to 1. Voodoo Song was 4 to 1. Dr. Edgar, 6 to 1. What were your thoughts on the rail horse, Frontier Market? Well, he's finished first or second in the last nine turf starts for Chad Brown. And it's, you know, Chad Brown or Rad Archie's. So, I mean, I, I don't think that you can you can leave them off. Interesting, a six-year-old with only 11 starts. What do you tend to do with those horses that are a little bit older in age with not as many starts as, as they usually would have? Oh, for me, it doesn't matter. I mean, I just see, you know, older horses that, you know, you see them hitting the board all the time. I mean, I don't, I don't look at age or less starts for anything. It doesn't, it doesn't make any effect on me. I don't use that. For me, uh, the last race, 7 by 11 to start off the race at Laurel. I just This horse to me seemed like a deep closer. There was definitely some speed in this race. Gidu, Dr. Edgar, Voodoo Song. I just didn't know if this horse would get the absolute right trip and be as close as he could be. So for me, this horse was going to be a pass or a use in mostly just tries. I was going to try and beat Chad Brown out of the exacta. Something me and Pete have talked about in the past. Probably not smart for the bankroll. <laughs> right. You said you also would like to Caribou Club, what were your thoughts on this five-year-old gelding? Well, I like that he's won five stakes on, on turf. And for me, <laughs> that's, you know, like I said, if they show up on, you know, in stakes and, and on the turf, I, I really like him. And he's won two straight under his jockey. Um, and he went to Dubai earlier this year. Um, they kind of gave him some time off. So I felt like like I said, I just felt like I couldn't leave off Caribou Club just because he showed up. Couldn't leave off Chad Brown. And then that's when I wanted to throw in my long shot of Curlin's honor. But, um, yeah, I definitely thought Caribou Club would, would definitely show up on, and hit the board. I am definitely a fanboy of Tom Proctor. Fergal Lynch from you, us writing for the Daily Gallup, you know how good of a turf jockey he can be. I just like the improvement coming, like you said, off the break from Maidan, 87, 90, 97. The best thing, and this is a key thing for me, is the closer looks that these guys write at DRF that everyone just skips over. If you watch the Breeders' Cup, you knew this horse was on the AE list, but for people who didn't, this was supposed to be a horse at the Breeders' Cup, now in a listed stake. I just 
my thoughts were that this horse towers over these other horses by class, just a hundred percent. What are your thoughts on taking horses coming out of the Breeders' Cup into their next race? Did you think it was a negative that he was going from a Breeders' Cup to a listed stake? No, um, no, I didn't. I just thought that, um, you know, they needed to put him somewhere and they needed to put him in a race. And, you know, this was a good way to, you know, kind of like an ATM to easy win and kind of just drop him in and get a race under his belt and to get him going. So I, I didn't see it as a negative. I just saw it as, you know, here's a trainer that wants to get him out and get him running. And um, like you said, he towered over the field. So I thought that they thought it was probably an easy one. The last horse I want to talk about, the number 10 voodoo song, obviously fantastic at Saratoga a couple of years ago. Now this year, he's he's ran okay numbers, but just seems to be rounding in the form, but only against state breads. Do you think that we've finally seen the best of him in open company and that he might just need to stay in the state bread ranks? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I've always, he's in my <laughs> virtual stable. Um, I, I always... Anytime I see Voodoo Song, I love watching him run. Um, I would always bet him, but for here, I just didn't think he had what it took to show up. For me, betting-wise, this race, I was all over Caribou Club. I tried to use this horse a little bit with Dr. Edgar. I thought that maybe Dr. Edgar could hang on for a piece being the speed duel. So I used an exacta there. I also just bet Caribou Club straight out. He ended up going off at right around 7-2. to So it seemed like it was, even though we shorter morning line price. I thought it was definitely a good price to take advantage of. Let us see if Nikki hit her exacta or if I ended up doing okay with caribou club. And they're off. It's golden Brown. Now Gidu moves up and from the outside voodoo song and abiding star voodoo song, abiding star. The two of them are right together for the lead with a Gidu sitting just off them in third. Dr. Edgar is next in fourth and then it's a five length break. Back to uh, Caribou Club, who's running along in fifth. Golden Brown is now in sixth. Then it's Frontier Market in seventh. At the back of the pack are Curlin's Honor and Just Howard. First quarter, 23 and three-fifths seconds as they head up the back stretch. And it is long shot a biting star on the outside who leads by three-quarters of a length over Voodoo Song. A gap of two to Gidu in third. Then comes Dr. Edgar in fourth. And it is another four or five lengths. Back to uh, Caribou Club, who's followed by Golden Brown. Another two to the favorite Frontier Market. Then comes Curlin's Honor, and the trailer is just Howard. Half mile in 47 seconds. Voodoo Song, Abiding Star. The two of them are heads apart, but here comes Gidu, and here comes Dr. Edgar. Caribou Club is just in behind, looking for some racing room. On the far outside is Golden Brown. Frontier Market is coming on as Curlin's Honor gains ground down towards the rail. Caribou Club has now come away with the lead. It's Curlin's Honor in second. On the outside is Frontier Market, now moving into third. They come down for the finish, and on the inside, it's Curlin's Honor who gets up to defeat Caribou club in the Artie Schiller stakes frontier market was third really nice hit there for Nikki Kerwin's honor caribou club exacta for a dollar paid 48.50 Kerwin's honor jumped his buyer from 100 to an 84 I guess all you need is Joel Rosario up to jump the buyer that high Nikki what were your thoughts after watching the race mostly on the pace abiding star from the outside to go out and get the lead I thought was kind of a suicide mission 
Oh, for sure. With that pace, I mean, it was just, it was like 23 seconds and a half, 47. I mean, he was under pressure with Voodoo Song, and I was just like, what are they doing? Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely a suicide mission on on part of Abiding Star. Um, it was just it, not a good, not a good beginning. When you look at the top four at the quarter at the beginning, Curlin's Honor was eighth, Caribou Club fifth, Frontier Market seventh, just Howard nine. Pretty much a complete pace meltdown. Did you think Frontier Market was just a little bit too far back, like I had possibly said in the beginning, or do you think that this horse just wasn't ready for the top two? I just don't think he was ready for the top two. I mean, I kind of thought that too. I was like, maybe he has him too far back whenever I saw him eighth. And I was like, come on, Arad, get him, you know, get him closer. But um, I, I just don't think that he had what it took that day to, to catch Caribou Club or Corlin's Honor. Um, I don't know if that would have helped him being closer, but um, I'm sure it kind of hurt. But uh, yeah, I just think he, he was outrun by Corlin's Honor and Caribou Club. I, I just don't think they were catching those two on that day. Frontier Marker actually ended up going off the favorite at two to one. Caribou Club, hard, tough miss for me, to be honest. Fergal Lynch really had this horse. The horse had uh, ran a 97 previously, and now in this race came back to run a 99. So still improving. Just one tick better was Curlin's Honor. This is the first time this horse has broken a 100 buyer. Do you think the sky is the limit for Curlin's Honor, or as a, a late four year old? This is probably the best we're going to see. No, well, I think I think we've seen that Curlin's progeny has has thrived as they got older. So I think that um, I think we're just getting to see the what he he has to show us. Um, and I was I read also after the race that uh, Mark Hassey said that he wanted to ship him out to Delmar. So I was like, wow, he's really he's really sending him everywhere. So um, I. I definitely will be following this horse, and I think that uh, we'll see nothing but good things in the future from him. I was excited. If they win on the East Coast, they must now go to the West Coast. Interesting for a horse that just seemed to me like a Woodbine horse for course. The only one for me that was a little bit sad was Dr. Edgar. I look at this horse as just being very consistent, 98, 98, 96, 97, and now we see a 74. Do we think that this is just a horse going off form or was the pace just, you know, caught up to him? I think the pace just caught up to him. I think once those fractions were set that uh, he, but I think with horses like that, that he couldn't have kept up and just kind of got lost in it. Okay. I just wanted to ask you a couple questions about your work you're doing for the daily gallop. Uh, we just recently had you start to do the Derby Oaks kind of, uh, like a market share value of buying and selling. Uh, what were your thoughts on your first run through for us? Uh, right. I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I, I always follow all of the prep races for the Kentucky Derby, for the Kentucky Oaks. Um, and my favorite, my favorite year was when Wonder Gadot and Mon and My Girl were running because I was always so big on Wonder Gadot. And I had her. And, like, when she was coming down the stretch with Mon and my girl, uh, oh, my God, I think I lost my voice that day. Before <laughs> because, and I was like, I was right, I was right. <laughs> because I loved following her. And I always was like this horse. And I, you know, I love that Mark Cassie was even thinking of her for the Kentucky Derby. So I was just 
so high on her. So I, I love watching those races every year. And, you know, it's kind of like a puzzle. You kind of get to see, you know, get to see them progress. You get to see the ones that, you know, you thought were really high on and, you know, kind of not work out that way. But for me, I, I just love it every year, all of the prop races. So I was very excited to get the opportunity because for me, it's just something I, I, every year I like count down. It's just like my favorite time of year when the prep races start. I'm like, Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> because I do so well in them because I, I research them. I study them. I watch all, like watch all the races and I, I just love it. It's just my favorite time of year. And even not like the big races, like just the, the prep races are just like better than the actual day. And then whenever you see it fold out and your picks, start you know showing up and you get the top four or the top five you're like oh i knew it i got it <laughs> so it's just so exciting just so everyone knows every time there is going to be an oaks prep on a weekend nikki the following week will have her oaks buy sell on the dailygallop.net nikki where can people find you on twitter nikki 23 sam i want to thank you so much for being my special guest really saving my bacon uh Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I just want to say thanks to all of our great fans for listening to the show. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money president is Peter Thomas Fornitale. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In The Money Media business manager is Drew Cotney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you all next time.